Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary with me, Toby Haydock. Thank you, Toby, in the studio. I always wanted to do that. Hello, I'm Daryl McLean. I'm a voice actor, impressionist, composer and clown stroke daft bugger. You might remember me at the start of lockdown, I did this. And that was me. And I'm wearing the same jumper I wore in that video, which is a big clue to what I'll be talking about today. I would love to say that was all planned and deliberate, but it's just coincidence, really. Toby Haydock is not my personal puppet master. However, I'm here today to talk about my favourite Doctor Who story. And when I tell you what my favourite Doctor Who story is, you will say, really? Is, is there something wrong with him? And I will say, yes and yes, because my favourite Doctor Who story is The Chase from 1965. Really? The Chase, really? Well, hello, or good morning, should I say, for the first time in one of these. I normally wait till everybody's gone to bed and record late into the night. And I woke up this morning and I was sort of wasting time flicking through social media, <laughs> getting depressed at the state of the world. I thought, why am I doing this? I could be watching Doctor Who. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to be able to do the whole thing because this house will become a hive of activity soon. But I thought I'd begin with this story because it's a six-parter, so we've got a lot to get through. I hope you've got it uh, lined up and are ready to press play in three, two, one, now. Now, I'm fascinated by this for a number of reasons. Hello, thanks for joining me. Um, Daryl McLean is somebody I have never met. Uh, he's somebody whose work I very much admired on Twitter, and we followed each other, and I, and I sort of, I was gonna say reached out, but that's a very modern and slightly Americanized phrase that um, I think would stick in my throat were I to say it without doing it as I have just then invoking it. Um, but I, I sent him a message and uh, he has sent me uh, lots of very big files, obviously, which I've only seen the beginning of, um, uh, which, and he seems to have uh, joined in with gusto. Um, now this, of course, um, is at the end of the Space Museum. Um, uh, and of course, I remember seeing in the credits of the Space Museum, you know, Dalek and Dalek voice. And I thought, oh, well, that must just be the Dalek that the Doctor hides in in the Space Museum. But of course it's not. It's 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 the lead into the funky jazz <laughs> sitch that is the chase. Um, it's a it's a funny score. I, I, I think I have to do full disclosure. I haven't seen this story for years. Uh, and for many years... I spent I I had great joy in being well not joy in being furious with it I think because I'd expected it was the Hartnell Dalek story that I wanted to see because we didn't have Dalek Master Plan Doctor and the Daleks and uh or the Dead Planet or you know the first one and Dalek Invasion of Earth we had approximations of in the Cushing movies but but this was this seemed very serious as well you know it was like a an, an epic chase oh, I love Maureen O'Brien um Oh, I have. And I haven't had to move this cushion, uh, viewers, uh, listeners to the podcast, you can't see. I'm actually leaning on a cushion that has Ian's Monsters from Outer Space book design cover 
on it and I haven't had to move that especially to put it into shot it was here this morning uh, and I've just I've just straightened it out slightly so that you can you can see it but uh, uh, I haven't put it here especially uh, it's actually uh, the life I lead um, and I think because when I first saw the chase it 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 wasn't the sort of serious space epic I was hoping for because I expected Doctor Who to be very serious because I wanted Doctor even though I'd always had fun watching Doctor Who I grew up with Tom Baker as I discovered Doctor Who as a youth it was important for me to be for the, that it be terribly serious that's as wrong-headed I think as other people who grew up with it was retro who like it because it's a bit naff I've 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 never quite been able to to side with those people because uh i don't know because doctor was always terribly serious and i'm not i i i i I, i'm not sure i can get on board with the sort of arch distant oh it's marvelous because it's terrible i I, you know i wasn't born i said it in my show must say my doctor scarf i wasn't born postmodern. uh i like doctor because it was because it was good i love ian's jacket here uh and i remember seeing that in a few photos in a it's a not it's a jacket it's a shirt isn't it it's a stripy shirt, but uh, I remember that being some of the photos in some of the Peter Haining books. Um, I think there's a rare photo in one that's um, uh, of a sort of staged. I think Ian's lying down, and various other people, are, including an Iridian, are crowded round him. Uh, some of the black and white publicity stills for this era make the shows look amazing. Um, but so when I when I discovered when I got Doctor Who videos. The, the fact that this had the audacity of trying to be f- funny, which it does. <laughs> I mean, that whole sequence with Vicky being redundant is, is is sort of fairly lame comedy, but Maureen O'Brien does it very well. Uh, and it's to sort of show that the time travellers are... Well, no, I don't think it's designed for that. I think it's designed to, you know, have a bit of fun at the beginning of the episode, but it does it, it does show the lovely sort of dynamic between this quartet which i think is 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 one of the great appeals of the of the era uh, and this is of course Ian and barbara's last hurrah and uh i don't know about you but i'm not i'm not ready to go to london 1965 quite yet <laughs> um uh, uh and this is you know this is pure Padding, but in a sense, although it does give us the the driver for the story when they see the Daleks in a bit, but but actually, I think as a as a kid, you know, the idea that they would see Gettysburg and say they would see the actually, I think that's quite thrilling, even though it's got nothing to do with the story. The idea that you could sort of touch history is 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 quite a beguiling one. Uh, oh, beguiling alert! Um, and uh, and Robert Marsden, who plays Abraham Lincoln, I I remember thinking of him as because I'd never seen him in anything else never seen his name written down and and thinking oh he's just one of those actors that you know sort of came and went uh, and there'd never be any chance of finding him or writing Tim and I I, I never did but uh, I discovered when he died that yes he was uh, he was actually an actor that uh, was around for a while uh, but he was Abraham Lincoln guy this this wasn't just you know casting somebody you've worked with before because you go oh yes Robert uh, Robert does a good American accent or 
whatever. He he did Abraham Lincoln on other occasions. If he didn't do a one man show, he he played. No, I think he might have done. But it was this. So this is the equivalent of. Um, you know, Simon Callow as Dickens, or, or if you were to do one about Field Marshal Montgomery getting the guy from I Was Monty's Double, you know, this is this this was actually, you know, we got a beeline to the Abraham Lincoln guy, which, so, um, you know, and anything you have as an actor that makes you castable, <laughs> one wonders if we went, we need somebody to play uh, a lawyer. We'll get Robert Marsden. No, no, he just does Abraham Lincoln. So it's a curse as well as a, a blessing. But uh, I was pleased that, you know, when Doctor Who had Abraham Lincoln, uh, they had Abraham Lincoln guy. Um, I love the dynamic between these people. I like all of the people in the TARDIS uh, at this point. Um, the... And, and and gosh, gone is the, the the dynamic of the of the early years when <laughs> so Jacqueline Hill bashes the thing, and then uh, then William Hartnell does too. Oh, it's Queen Elizabeth the first. Oh, and of course Shakespeare and Bacon. So again, I think if you're a kid learning history, this is uh, the, you know this is amazing stuff. And Roger Hammond and Hugh Walters, and I didn't realise when I first first watched this that uh, these are two great, great thespians. Uh, Hammond, looking svelte here, who was who was better known as a sort of rotund character actor who who appeared in all sorts of things, and I think a legal in general actor, and lots of Merchant Ivory type stuff, playing you know slightly plump. Um, men of the cloth a great character actor apparently a very very lovely man lived in the same village as Wanda Ventham and Donald Pickering that's my fact about Roger Hammond and he's Dr Runciman in uh, Mordred Undead so two very small parts in Doctor Who uh, that um, uh, aren't reflected uh, d don't reflect actually the sort of size of his career Subsequently, where he, you know, there's a lot of one-scene actors in the 1960s we never hear from again. But uh, his career in film and television was was uh, uh, fantastic. Um, and of course, Shakespeare is Hugh Walters, Runcible the Fatuous, uh, and Vogel in Revelation of the Daleks. A a, a wonderfully light, uh, slightly a uh, feat. Uh, 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 character actor who uh, with a lovely gag that Shakespeare didn't come up with the idea of Hamlet um, that's a, that's rather a nice neat gag and it's full of terrific actors and I love Hugh Walters I never had the pleasure of either Hammond or Walters and I would have loved to have done I, I think Ian McKellen wrote Roger Hammond's obit in the Independent and said when he last saw him in hospital you know, Roger Hammond was sort of saying, "Oh, it's it's sad that I'm you know I'm going to die because it's it's been such fun." And you go, "Oh, I love that attitude." And that's I think you could probably do that as an actor in those days. You could you could just spend your life having such fun because uh, <laughs> work was plentiful. <laughs> uh, never uh, never come across Richard Coe, the presenter. That's all he, that's all he does in this. But uh, because of course the big. The big news is the Beatles are in Doctor Who. And I sort of quite... I remember when B, 
the the BSB the 54 Who weekend, and they they did a thing of these are the famous people that have been in Doctor Who and the Beatles, and I was sort of went, oh, you sort of you sort of cheated here because uh, it's it's just film of them in something else. Ian's funky dancing that might be the best thing from episode one. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a dad dancer as well, and do you know what? When you're a dad dancer, it feels good, and that's all that matters. It does no one any harm, bar perhaps your children in a public place. But I'm a dad dancer, and I bloody love it. So there, and here, and I and I could tell you that because I you're in my house, and I'm wearing a dressing gown. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we have any secrets. The Beatles played classical music. That's a that's a lovely gag. Get with it. <laughs> I love Ian Chesterton. I love Barbara Wright. And I love Vicky. Um, we're very lucky to have such game, uh, joyous actors in these parts. Uh, I mean, that, that, that whole thing was frippery, but I was actually rather charmed by it, where once I would have been furious. That's a great shot of the TARDIS uh, on film in a... And this is clever from Richard Martin, this shot of the Doctor over the TARDIS console, because the TARDIS console is not there. Uh, in order to maintain maximum studio size, uh, the TARDIS, we've just got the doors. Uh, very clever from Richard Martin, with whom I ha have a tricky relationship. Again, I remember, forgive me, I'm just being honest when I talk about how angry I was as a as a young man and I mean I wasn't a delinquent I didn't I didn't pull the wings off flies my anger was purely internalized I think yeah I mean it manifested itself perhaps in in psoriasis but that's a more complicated story um but my love for Doctor Who was always couched in a worry that other people wouldn't take it seriously and other people wouldn't like it and that it would be axed or that it would never come back depending on when and where we were but I wanted approval, and so it meant it was more important to me that, that you know, therefore that everybody would love Doctor Who, and and so if Doctor Who was ever silly or or looked naff, uh, it made me furious. Whereas I sort of wish I'd just sort of dived in and enjoyed it. Although I think I did, my fury was part of my appreciation of it. I did because it didn't mean I didn't watch Doctor Who every day and rewatch stories I thought were, that made me cross. Um. Uh. This stuff on location um, amused me. This uh, because uh, Ian, uh, Ian and Vicky are not played by William Russell and Maureen O'Brien. In fact, Vicky is played by Barbara Joss, who plays Nemini, the uh, the Optera who stops up the wall in um, in the Web Planet. Uh, and it amuses me because on the DVD commentary for this, Maureen O'Brien, I think on her first DVD commentary, when it gets to that bit, goes, do you know what? This is the only bit of Doctor Who I remember doing. It's like, well, that's not you and you didn't do it. So it just goes to show that sometimes a moderator is very important, although Peter Purvis moderated that, but he wasn't to know that, <laughs> that she'd say uh, she'd remember a bit she didn't actually do. Uh and it does sometimes make me question my whole life's work. Why, why are you asking people who don't remember things, things? <laughs> uh, I don't care. Uh, I've been very lucky to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this watch of The Chase will teach me to chill out a bit about Doctor Who when it, when it doesn't 
when it doesn't live up to my childhood imaginings. But Richard Martin, as I say, I, 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 I had quite a complex relationship with because he was always talked of as this sort of film director in, in sort of writings about Audrey. That's good, uh, uh, a, t a tentacle. Um, but I, 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 his, his studio work is very ambitious and I would say it doesn't always come off. But he had the audacity to do interviews quite early on where he sort of went, Doctor Who wasn't ambitious enough and it, it wasn't very good and, and, and sort of basically I was I was too good for it and Verity Lambert was wrong. And and again, a bit like Maureen O'Brien where she would in Doctor Who magazine do interviews going, I'm only doing this to plug my book. It seemed like both of them didn't like it and were being disparaging. But then actually when you have, as I have, have the pleasure to meet both of them, actually their tone of voice is much more joyous, much much more sparky and certain in the case of Richard Martin he's a he's a bit of a mischief maker and an absolute charmer I love Richard Martin he's one of my favorite Doctor Who people even though I spent my childhood being cross with him in his direction um because of because partially because I was informed by those interviews where you know unless everybody said Doctor was marvelous and uh, it's so sad you can't see the episodes I, I, I would I would be like hang on um Oh, that's very dramatic, uh, and that's a great wheeze. You know, they've got the they've got the scene, the 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 screen to look back at great events from the past, and it's actually shown the Daleks are about to chase Doctor Who and his chums, and I like the different coloured Dalek. Uh, I think the Daleks look great in black and white. Um, Tardis, Tardis. I, I, it's, it's, I, I'm never quite sure about. I, he does try and mix things up a bit, Richard Martin, sometimes, but I, I have to say I'm not sure it always. That's a great shot, though. I love that. I think these Daleks look magnificent. Um, I, there's nothing clunky about the Daleks at all. I, I, I can see why they bewitched a generation or two of children. I always find the David Graham voice uh, is unusual. It's not. It's not how I imagine the Daleks now. And in fact, they've they've sort of phased out the deeper voice. Um, but they're, they're both great, aren't they, David Graham and Peter Hawkins? Again, premier voice people, um, lending for you know lending the tones to the icons of our of our of our youth and that's a that's a very clever design that 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 sort of double door system that the daleks go through into there i think it is it's called a dardis isn't it of course the daleks time machine is called a dardis uh, <laughs> uh and uh, that's a neat trick isn't it where it's the same three daleks going round and round and round uh, you know that's uh that's uh, uh an inventive use of resources there we go well done um door doesn't yeah, it's a yes. It's a funny old design. That it's sort of slightly curious, but it, it works. I like it. Um, yeah. So um, this will hopefully, yes, teach me to teach me to love something that's doing what it intended to do. It's not that it's it's sort of slightly silly by accident it's slightly silly on purpose 
uh, a, a sort of curious hybrid of, you know, because people will die as the episodes go on. Um, but also it's got sort of comedy larks about it. That's very bold, isn't it? Because they're both face on those two doubles. But it's a, an acknowledgement that the film is never going to be good enough quality that you're going to make out their faces. Um, sort of unthinkable to today. Um, although that said, I seem to recall there's a double for Harry Lloyd in Longshot and some of the outside sequences in Family of Blood, um, where he's face on, but you, it's, it's far enough away that you can't make him out. So actually, it is thinkable today. We still have to overcome the same problems. Um, the sound effects are, are are the hero of so much of 60s Doctor Who. Just this unearthly, ethereal wind here. I, th I think Brian Hodgson, although we all know his name and we all Doctor Who fans, I think are comforted by his name. I think he's an undersung hero of, of 60s Doctor Who. I think the weird unsettling alien soundtrack Doctor Who's never so alien as it is in uh, is, is is in the 1960s where we you know we there's alien worlds aren't just sort of brave new worlds they're strange they're odd they're unsettling they're alien rather than people in hats or you know slightly you know skew versions of planet earth and, and I never quite got got this story of the uh, oh it's just it's just suddenly gone dark <laughs> night has fallen in the studio but but I know I never quite got what this story was here for so I, I'm I'm sorry if I'm being thick well apart from the fact that okay she's setting up the fact that they that they they shouldn't pull the ring okay that's that's what it's there for. It just seemed to me to spend an awfully long time doing it. Um, but it is almost like they're going, well, we sort of want a Dalek-based cliffhanger, so we, we, we've got to do a lot of hanging around. Um, oh, Ian. She, she's always working, Maureen O'Brien. And she's so delightful. She's so charming. Uh she's such a charming actress uh, and and he's uh, I, I don't don't you I mean don't you want Ian Chesterton to be your school teacher and of course you'd sort of laugh nervously that's really you know uh, and it's sort of mixture of sci-fi and fairy tale isn't it all the you could see the tarp going there um, but uh, yeah I, I always wanted to see the chase I, I remember the, the approach to the TV 50 where um, celebrations uh, where we were shown an awful lot of Doctor Who clips on the night and that was amazing God, and they didn't stop coming there was, for some programmes there was just a clip here or there the Doctor Who compilation was fantastic I was at a friend's house and it was so exciting to see all those clips but there was talk that they might have repeated a whole Doctor Who story which frankly was what we deserved it seems quite strange now that they didn't um, but the talk was uh, was that the Dalek invasion of Earth was in too bad a state 
to ever be repeated. I don't know quite where that came from. I mean, there are film prints that are a bit knackered, but I, I don't, I don't think of, I don't think Dalek Invasion of Earth was was one that had ever particularly been been officially marked as that or anything. Uh, but that was the that was the story in Doc Two magazine. The Dalek Invasion of Earth was in too much of a mess. Oh, it's going to be a tentacle. That's uh, oh, that's proper perils stuff, isn't it? Um, Oh, I thought the tentacle was going to come through the hatch. No, we've just got a close-up. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, it's shutting. It's shutting the hatch. Or it's wafting about while the hatch shuts after a bit. Uh, yeah, he is ambitious, Richard Martin, but it doesn't doesn't always work. Oh, that's that's right. The sandstorm's pretty good. Um, but that was quite laboured, wasn't it? The old, uh, the old tentacle and then the slow shut of the glass panel. And then a sort of high-angled shot of a bit of a monster. <laughs> um, yeah, and and they were going to show the chase as part of uh, TV fifty, and it and it never happened. And I remember getting so excited about that because the chase was was the one. It sounded so exciting, you know. It's the Daleks versus the Mechanoids. I didn't realise it was the Daleks versus the Mechanoids from the end of part five. Uh, but again, the episodic stuff seemed really exciting because. And you can see why Terry, Terry Nation does it because comic strip peril is, you, you, you know, is, is sort of quite fast paced and, you know, can change from week to week or take you from landscape or scenario to landscape and scenario. Uh, I, it, I think it's a big ask for Doctor Who in the 1960s where, you know, if you have the same sets for six weeks... Uh, you know you're going to pull it off much better than having to recreate new ones uh, every week but they do it and uh, and and uh, you can't fault the ambition um and well done uh, william hartnell and jacqueline hill for being game enough to get absolutely covered in sand um uh, and you know if you've had a dalek rise out of the water memorably at the end of an episode why not have one rise out of the sand which is a great image uh at the end of the next uh the, you know the next time you do it and that looks great um although it is they did try and do pull a dalek out of the sand on location uh, uh and of course it didn't work because sand is really heavy um but there's a great picture of them trying to do that and it's abandoned. So, you know, yeah, what a great image, the Dalek rising out of the sand. Let's have him coughing because Daleks would cough because sand makes you cough. Yeah, I think it might undermine the dramatic effect that you're going for. It does make sense, but it is it is silly. But, but I think I have to accept Dennis Spooner's name is on the credits. He was a very funny man, a funny comedy writer. Terry Nation's background is in comedy. Uh, I can't really, I, I, I can't really be disparaging of comedy, seeing as, seeing as what I do for a living, quiet at the back. Yeah. Um, that was jolly, wasn't it? That was jolly enough. Uh, and, I, and, I, and it passed the time very quickly and amiably. Um, I, I, I think my favourite thing has to be the dynamic between the TARDIS crew. I'm, I'm, I can't remember if I've chosen that in a, in a Hartnell story before. I've, I've only done 
partner-wise, I've done The Rescue, which is the story uh, uh, where Vicky and Barbara meet. Uh, Vicky, Ian and Barbara meet Vicky. Um, and, and now I'm doing the one where they say goodbye to her, and indeed the Doctor. Um, and I may have chosen the dynamic between the TARDIS crew there, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm allowed it because Vicky is part of that mix now as well. And I just think if you're going to do a first episode that has a sort of... Uh, you know, comedy, you know, it's basically a few comedy interludes and and a few, you know, fun looks into history, but really aren't much to do with the story. If you're going to have that, you, you have to rely on the dynamic of your... And the regulars don't interact with any other characters. You have to rely on the dynamic of the four people that you've got, and they clearly get on. They're clearly working very hard to make it work. There's little touches that all of the actors do that keep it alive so i am going because and also oh it's their last story uh but i'm yeah i'm going for the dynamic between that peerless um faultless tardis quartet now i'm intrigued to see what daryl has done because he sent me three very big files um that of course i am not allowed to look at until the choice so i have chosen i'm going to write this down because this is a six-parter and i will forget uh oh, i had a book here Oh, I'll write it down um, in the break. Uh, but I'm choosing the TARDIS Quartet. What's Daryl? So, the first reason I love the chase, and let's get this out of the way right at the beginning, is its acorn antiquesness. The fact is, loads of things in the production of this story go really badly wrong, and they make it all the way to screen, and they've been left that way for 55 years. And this is brilliant <laughs> when i was supposed to say that oh doctor who you know really the things about wobbly sets and rubber monsters actually that's a, that's a bit of an exaggeration actually it was very very well made for its time and it was but the chase on the whole isn't and that's kind <laughs> of quite amusing and i'm sorry if i'm upsetting anyone but it's actually okay to sit down at doctor who and kind of laugh at it as well as with it and love it and also kind of take the mick I've introduced friends to Doctor Who through the chase by saying, let's get this out of the way first. You'll laugh at it. And once you've got through that barrier, you can enjoy anything then in, on its own terms. And it's worked. It's hilarious. You can actually sit down with friends. Well, not at the moment, but when we can, we'll all sit down together and watch the chase. <laughs> there are some amazing fluff lines. There's that day for night shot of the Daleks. There's that clock which goes over the screen. There's uh, the Dalek you can see in the corner, which you shouldn't be able to do. There's people making uh, wrong entrances. There are loads of things which are rubbish, but I love them for that. The other thing I will say is as well as being funny in its own right, and you know, what is Doctor Who for to enjoy? It's an entertainment program that's entertaining. It's also probably the most instructive piece of Doctor Who about how it was made because so many things go wrong. There is no documentary or book that is as insightful into how Doctor Who was made in the 60s as The Chase because of all the mistakes. You just see it happen on the studio floor. It's like being a fly on the wall. So reason number one, it's acorn antiquesness. Reason. <laughs> and you know what? If you were to sit me down and, and put that theory, um, certainly in the past, I would have refuted it and I would have been furious with you. And I think it's very instructive, um, especially in this age of sort of Twitter polarization, where the idea that somebody might enjoy the program in a different way from you is tantamount to them being um, tyrants. Uh, 
I am utterly convinced by Daryl's argument. It does no harm to my enjoyment and the serious with which I take Doctor Who. And as I say, I'm not somebody that would normally sort of watch it once removed uh, and sort of with 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 sort of lofty disdain. Um, but that's a great coping mechanism for the chase's faults. I would have enjoyed the chase much more as a kid if I'd loosened up. I'd have enjoyed quite a lot more of my childhood if I'd loosened up. So there's a lesson there, isn't there? Uh, is that Doctor Who isn't always what you want it to be, but it's Doctor Who. Go with it. Uh, and if that means sometimes just acknowledging the fact that try as it might, and Richard Martin definitely tried, he wasn't phoning it in. So all of all of the things that go wrong are because his ambitions were elsewhere. He wouldn't mind a technical fault if it meant that he could get an ambitious shot or, or pull off an ambitious sequence. And that's 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 a way of approaching making telly. You wouldn't be allowed to now, but the 60s gave you that latitude where technical faults kind of happened and the audience were kind of used to them and you forgive or you don't. And I'm much more forgiving today than perhaps I was in the past. And I'm better for it. But I still think the coughing Daleks are really stupid idea. <laughs> I mean, am I not entertained? Uh, let's see what happens in the sands of Iridius uh, in episode two. But I'm having a jolly morning. Thanks to Daryl, who's a, a game contributor. And that's nice as well, isn't it? That um, I, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised by how people... Some I know, some I don't, have reacted to this challenge. And it's we're about to get sent into total lockdown again. Uh, and we need this sort of thing. I need this sort of thing. I'm hoping in throwing it out there to you, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it's as helpful to you as it is for me. If not, just get furious with me. But I guarantee you, in 20 years' time, you'll look back and, and go, no, if I'd loosened up a bit, I've in, I'd have enjoyed Toby Haydock a little bit more. And so, hello, people, 20 years in the future. I, I know, finally you appreciate me. Uh, until next time, thanks for watching. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and this week featured my special guest, Daryl McLean. He's on Twitter at MacLockdown, M-A-C Lockdown. Follow him for lots of music and comedy and all sorts of other stuff. I'd love to give a shout out and much gratitude to this episode's featured patrons who are Ruben Herfindahl, Andrew, Ian Gillespie, Simon Ash, Lisa C. Greco, Dave Stevens, Lisa Gledhill, Keith Pirry, James Lark, Paul Ingersoll, ARCH Presents CIC, Robert Jewell, John Curley, Tom Selinsky, Martin Bellum, Darren Mackay, Steve Hatcher, John Turner, and Tilt Areza. The music for this podcast is specially composed by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. If you fancy supporting these podcasts financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. I lure you with trinkets, namely a badge or two, possibly, your name in the credits, exclusive and early releases and advanced podcasts too. 
And so uh, you can do that or you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke if you just want to give a one-off donation if you're feeling a little bit flush. Neither, of course, is mandatory. You listening is very important and very much appreciated. But if you are and you're enjoying them, how about reviewing and rating them everywhere you can on the internet and upping the positivity that's out there because that really helps. You can also follow my YouTube channel where there's a visual representation of this audio goldmine with, you know, added nose, eyes and sofa cushions and occasionally a dog. And do tune into Excess Malarkey Comedy Club on Twitch TV forward slash Excess Malarkey where there's a live comedy show with me and four special guest comics every Tuesday night at 8pm GMT. There were actually a few more ums and ahs than I would normally let through in my uh, coda. Uh, there's another. Uh, I don't normally allow those in and do a retake, but as it's the chase where everything pretty much goes wrong, I thought it would be apposite if I left in the warts and all. You see, I do think about this stuff. <laughs>